0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I, I have to admit that I really have a strong opposition to the word hypocrite. I, I, I find that people use it as a catchphrase, they use it as a bit of sloganeering, they use it because they're lazy. When all oh, the hypocrites here and the hypocrites there, it's not a. That, that's not a way you engage a conversation. But sometimes, if the hypocrite fits, well, what else can you actually say? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. And this is the conversation about education. When you talk education, you bring in Corey DeAngelis. There he is right there. Senior fellow, Ph.D., the American Federation for children is where you find his work. And you have been front and center in the education conversation, the education debate. And the first person I ever saw engage the conversation that money should follow the student and not uh, the system. And of course, you have been in uh, constant fights with people like Randy Weingarten, uh, head of the American Federation of Teachers. Here is the latest tweet that she put out Texas teacher fired for reading Diary of Anne Frank to the class, this speaks for itself, but that's not actually the whole story. The story is about those educators, Corey, who say that you shouldn't have a say in where your kids go to school, but yet they make different choices. This is your opinion piece over at Fox News about the head of the Chicago Teachers Union who chose for her own kid a private school, but says that if you choose a private school or a different school for your kid, you're a racist. Tell me, tell me that story. Yes,
1: yeah, it's the Chicago Teachers Union boss, Stacey Davis Gates, who just last year called private schools segregation academies and said school choice is the choice of racist. And then she turns around this year, pulls her kid out of a, the public school system, which is an absolute dumpster fire in Chicago. I believe only about five or 6% of black students are proficient in math in the Chicago public school system. And she's sending them to a private school that costs about half as much as what they spend in the government schools about $14,000, $15,000 per student for the tuition in the private school, whereas the government schools spend about $29,000, $30,000 per student per year. And just last year, the same hypocrite said that the reason that she can represent the teachers in the public school system as the CTU boss is that she uh, has legitimacy because she sends all of her kids to the public schools. Well that didn't last long did it just uh, this year she sending him to a private school and when she was confronted on CNN about it her basic defense was uh, well he my son plays soccer and racism this racism that it was that she was total deflection and what if other kids want to play soccer and uh, look it's just, just never-ending hypocrisy because one she's saying that she was legitimate last year because she had her kids in public well that's not true anymore she didn't actually believe that. And she also blamed her choice on supposed disinvestment in the public school system. Well, they spend twice as much per student in the government schools that she was sending her kid to as in the private school. So why can't other families have that choice? It's because salary yeah. depends on being a hypocrite. She must uh, keep the, pa- the the status quo to, to keep uh, her union in power.
0: Now, now you brought up two things there that I think we should break down. First, Corey is the idea of her job. In order to keep her job as the head of the teachers union, she has to say the only place you can send your kid is to a public school while she doesn't do it. Regardless of whether we call her hypocrites or or not, the people of Chicago obviously see this. How have they reacted to it?
1: Yeah, there was actually
0: members in the
1: CTU private Facebook group uh, that was leaked. There was information leaked to me from uh, screenshots from this private group where members of the CTU were actually saying that, you know, this does smell kind of fishy. And look, we've called out public school officials and CPS and, and including the mayors for sending their kids to private school. Now we're turning around, sending our kids to private school as the head of the the CTU. And I think another member also mentioned that. You know, I think the big problem is not that she sends her kids to private school, but then she turns around and fights against school choice for disadvantaged kids. And in fact, Illinois had a school choice program uh, for a few years now called the Illinois uh, Invest in Kids Act. It was a tax credit scholarship for poor kids to go to private school. And uh, the the Democrats in the legislature, uh, under pressure from the Chicago Teachers Union that Stacey Davis-Gates runs... uh, Uh, killed the program did nothing to save it uh from sunsetting this year so um that's been some of the reception and then also stacy went on cnn i guess she thought it was gonna be uh you know a soft landing maybe cnn was gonna back her up well the hosts grilled her for eight and a half minutes you gotta give cnn credit every once in a while they come to their senses and they hold the left's feet to the fire and it was eight and a half minutes of discomfort that was very obvious in the eyes of Stacey Davis-Gates just fluttering from left to right. Where do I go? Basically showing the audience that she wanted to get up and run out of that interview as fast as she could. She couldn't do it obviously because that would be a even bigger uh, blunder for her.
0: Talking to Corey DeAngelis, a senior fellow American Federation for Children, Federation for federationforchildren.org. The second part of this was the numbers, and I think that that in, even in your conversation, the other conversations, we're blowing by that way too quick. Go back. How much is a public education costing the taxpayers in Chicago, and how much is it costing at these private schools yep. where the head of the teachers union sends her own child? Yep,
1: it's at least twenty nine thousand dollars per student per year in the Chicago government schools comparatively, Stacey Davis-Gates sends her kid now to a private school that has a tuition posted on their website of $14,750 per student per year. So that's about half of what they spend in the government-run schools, yet she's complaining that all the problems plaguing the government schools have had to do with money, and they just need more money. And this is evidence of them needing more than $29,000 per student. It's just total... It's it's total
0: logical inconsistency. It says I not- want to get into that. I want to get into this inconsistency because it would seem to me that this is the argument that connects with everybody, regardless, right? Regardless of skin color, regardless of sexual orientation, regardless of socioeconomic status. You mean you can do with fifteen thousand what these people can't do with twenty nine thousand? It immediately says, well, these people with my twenty nine thousand dollars are schmucks. I mean, they're just not capable people. How do you, whether it be at the Federation for children.org and some of the organizations that you work, do you try and capitalize on that with members of the community?
1: Yeah, we spread the facts and we also call out the logical inconsistencies of the other side. And it goes deeper than that than just the numbers. It goes uh, with, with the left in general, they t- generally support uh, publicly funded programs or taxpayer funded programs that go- that have funding going to people where they're able to choose the private provider that works best for them. Think about Pell Grants for higher education. The left loves those. And uh, with Pell Grants, the funding goes to a student, and they can choose the public university if they want, but they can go to a private religious or non-religious university. We do the same thing with Head Start, which the left supports as well, or other pre-K programs. Pre-K funding uh, is directed by the parent. They get to choose their private religious or non-religious pre-K provider. We have Medicaid vouchers. You can choose a private, even religious hospital. You can, we have sectioning housing vouchers. The left loves those and on and on and on. The examples keep going. Food stamps, food stamps are public dollars that can be used at private grocery stores chosen by the parent or the family. And only when it comes to K to 12, do they freak out about it. Why? Because the Democratic Party is owned by the teachers unions. We mentioned Randy Weingarten earlier, over 99.9% of her campaign contributions for the American Federation of Teachers went to Democrats in 2022. So the the teachers' union is basically an arm of the Democratic Party at this point. And the reason that they fight so hard against choice only when it comes to K-12 education is because of a difference in power dynamics. Choice is the norm for higher education, pre-K, and everything else. But choice threatens an entrenched special interest, the teachers' unions, only when it comes to K-12. So they fight as hard as possible against the status quo. And you have never-ending people in power, Joe Biden, Gavin Newsom, Nancy Pelosi, fight against school choice. Roy Cooper, governor of North Carolina, he even declared a state of emergency over school choice because he was afraid it was going to pass. And and that's still going to happen this year uh, through the budget. But just they have to be hypocrites because their power and their salary depends on it. And uh, it's just also another layer of logical inconsistency when they support funding people for everything else, but not K through 12 education.
0: You brought up Randy Weingarten, American Federation of Teachers who certainly was working with our federal government regarding keeping schools closed. Uh, you see her in support of the United Auto Workers strike. She never met a union she didn't uh, love. Uh, she had put out this uh, tweet. Texas <clears> teacher <throat> fired for reading diary of Anne Frank to class this speaks for itself. Um, this is another one of those stories where the story is not the story. You did the digging and Randy Weingarten. I mean, I, I think I'm quoting you directly. You're calling her a liar yep. in, in, in total. She's a liar. She's
1: a liar. She's a, liar. She's a dishonest hack and she's a deceptive clown because this is an all time new low for Randy Weingarten posting this garbage because it wasn't the Diary of Anne Frank that was banned in this Texas school. It wasn't a teacher getting fired for the basic version of the Diary of Anne Frank. This was a graphic sexualized novel of the Diary of Anne Frank. It's a sexual adaptation for an elementary school. So, And the, the teacher also started talking to the children about acts of molestation. This was inappropriate for fifth graders. I think it was a fifth grade class. And Randy Weingarten is, is currently, as we speak, Getting ratioed into oblivion on Twitter, which is now called X, for this deception. I mean, she she could have said, "Well, there, the teacher got fired for this uh, this sexualized depiction of the Diary of Anne Frank," but it wasn't that the actual Diary of Anne Frank uh, as most of us would know it. So she she says this, trying to to make it seem like Republicans are are not wanting to talk about the Holocaust, and that's just absolutely ridiculous. That's not the truth of what of what happened here, and. You know what? This is um, going to add fuel to the fire. All of this clownish behavior by the teachers unions and Randy Weingarten in Texas, in particular, where this story came from. Greg Abbott just yesterday called for a special session to pass school choice next month. And it's even bigger than that, because part of that story is that Greg Abbott also promised political consequences For fake Republicans in the Texas House, if they don't pass their party platform issue of school choice, which was an emergency item this session, which Greg Abbott has been pushing all across the state, at least a a dozen cities now. He's gone and campaigned for school choice. Voters overwhelmingly elected him while he was pushing for school choice over that clown, Beto O'Rourke, who's against school choice. And uh, it looks like it's gonna happen. Greg Abbott yesterday pointed out that there's an easy way to get this done. And there's a hard way to get this done. The easy way is the the Senate, which they've already passed it easily and they have for for a very long time. They've been on board with school choice. But then the House, they can just they can pass their party platform, which 88 percent of Texas Republican primary voters supported on the ballot last year. Uh, This is overwhelmingly popular across party lines, but particularly with Republicans, especially at a time like now where you have indoctrination happening in schools as opposed to education, even in red states like Texas, even in places like Indiana uh, and elsewhere. And so he said there's an easy way or there's a hard way to get it done, which is you lose your primary race for coming out against parental rights and education in 2023, which this is what happened in Iowa. I'm sure you remember this, Tony. The Governor Reynolds, a huge education freedom fighter, tried to get it done School choice done in 2022. It was a targeted bill. Maybe it was limited to a few thousand students, but it was still a good step in the right direction. The Senate passed it, no problem, just like what happened in Texas this year. But it moved over to the House where, this, where it was in 60% GOP control in Iowa, and they could not get it done, no matter how hard uh, Governor Reynolds was fighting for it. Well, what happened after that was she primaried a bunch of those fake Republicans in the Iowa House. And voters held them accountable for opposing the party platform of parental rights in education. And then yeah, it's last universal school choice, the first state to do so this year in 2023. So they got an even better program after the primaries.
0: It's that this is becoming a not so much a litmus test, but a a focus for uh the the political right. And there are so many who are desperate to avoid the cultural issues right they they know. i don't want to play in the cultural issues we've got real issues to handle this is a real issue families being able to decide what's best for their kids is 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 a real issue in, in 30 seconds or less uh uh cory deangelis um uh you you find his work uh, everywhere and of course you can find him over at the american federation for children federation for children.org um You see this from Kim Reynolds, governor of Iowa. You see this from Greg Abbott, governor of Texas. Uh, In 30 seconds or less, is this going to become a major party platform conversation when the Republicans meet in Milwaukee for the convention in 2024?
1: Yeah, it absolutely is, because there's been a surge in support among Republican primary voters Among voters in general, real clear opinion research polling found 71% of Americans in general support school choice, which was up about 8 percentage points from April of 2020. Primary voters on the Republican side are overwhelmingly in favor. 88% support in Texas. That was up 9 points since they last had it on the ballot in 2018, which was still high even back then in 2018. But it's a huge issue now. You look at the first Republican primary presidential debates Uh, You had a bunch of them mentioning school choice, DeSantis, Vivek. Trump was all big on school choice when he was president as well, and he still is today. So there's there's huge support for it um, at every level. And I think Republican primary voters are figuring out the rhinos uh, who are currently sitting in office who who have voted consistently against school choice. They're actually parents are paying attention now and they're basically a new
0: special interest group. Which is amazing because they're the original, if you will, special interest group. Corey DeAngelis, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. You can find him on the Twitter X there at DeAngelisCorey and FederationForChildren.org. You can find his work. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz and this is Tony Katz Today. If I listen to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, I would believe that Ukraine has a great chance of pushing Russians completely out of Ukraine, and this is over in a matter of months. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Find everything at TonyKatz.com and follow me in all the places. Tony Katz on Instagram, Tony Katz on X. Uh, Locals, of course, TonyKatz.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, but Facebook sucks. Speaking at a press conference in Germany, you've got Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, saying that, quote, to date, Ukraine has liberated over 54% of Russian-occupied Ukraine, and they continue to retain the strategic initiative. Now, this goes along with a story in the Wall Street Journal, actually heads up the Wall Street Journal online. Ukraine tactics put Russia on the defensive in the Black Sea. And it's how commercial vessels are back to using the port of Odessa. They're not asking permission from the Russians for the first time since the war began, showing that the balance of power is different. This would make one believe that Russia is going to fall apart and simply stop. Nothing has shown this to be true. Absolutely, positively, nothing has shown this to be true. It is not that I don't want Russia to stop. I'm very clear. I would rather Ukraine be in the hands of the Ukrainian Ukrainians, not give up any land whatsoever, and the deaths to end. The Russians are a violent, horrific, despicable force led by a violent, horrific, despicable leader in Vladimir Putin who has no compunction in in, in worrying about anybody or the levels of horror he inflicts on other people. He does not care. And since you know that to be true, you got to ask, well, what does he care about? He cares about losing face to the people of Russia. He cares about not having power. You can't go this long and just walk away. That doesn't, that dog won't hunt. That that is not the way this is going to work. So I see these two stories. And this is the, the, one of the pieces from uh, the Wall Street Journal, quote, by imposing an asymmetrical war that relies on domestically produced naval drones and missiles and that targets Russian ships in their own home bases, Ukraine has eroded much of Russia's vaunted naval superiority. Now it is taking the battle to Russia itself. So we are clear. Russia never had any superiority in terms of being a fighting force. Their army is a joke. What they have, and that's if they're going up against us, but what they have is a never-ending number of people they can just throw at the battle and leave that trench warfare where it is. It's exactly what we discussed with uh, a retired Army Major Mike Lyons just a couple weeks ago. I want the Ukrainians to win this thing. I do. But they can't win it without the United States military. That can't be done. But the idea that Russia's just going to walk away... Everybody's kidding themselves if they think the Russians are just going to walk away and say, oh, well, we tried. Nah, that isn't the way this works. That's certainly not the way Russia's going to work it. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today.
2: Four and a half years the department of justice has been investigating mr biden an investigation run by david weiss an investigation that limited the number of witnesses agents could interview an investigation that prohibited agents from referring to the president as the quote big guy in any of the interviews they did get to do an investigation that curtailed attempts to interview mr biden by giving the transit team a secret a heads up An investigation that notified Mr. Biden's defense counsel about a pending search warrant, an investigation run by Mr. Weiss, run by Mr. Weiss, where they told the Congress three different stories in 33 days. They told this committee on June 7th, David Weiss said, I have ultimate authority to determine when, where, and whether to bring charges. 23 days later, June 30th, he told this committee. Actually, I can only bring charges in my U.S. Attorney's District, the District of Delaware. And then to further confuse matters, on July 10th, he told Senator Graham, I have not sought special counsel status. Rather, I've had discussions with the Department of Justice. An investigation run by Mr. Weiss that negotiated a plea deal that the federal district court declined to accept. A plea deal so ridiculous, the judge asked this question, Quote, is there any precedence for agreeing not to prosecute crimes that have nothing to do with the charges being diverted? The response from the DOJ lawyer, I'm not aware of any, Your Honor.
0: My God, Jim Jordan coming with the thunder. Like I said, I mean, it was just right off the bat, they were done with the Pledge of Allegiance, and he goes, I I recognize myself as chair of the Judiciary Committee, and he starts with the fixes in. And I played it from you, for you there from, from the start. Because you had to hear it. We're going to keep going. But I, I am very much... Excited is the wrong word. I'm going to go with hopeful. That these Republicans have figured out that the only way out of the horror is through. It is clear and it is obvious that America is getting scammed. Understand, it's not Republicans getting scammed. It's not you. It is us. You might disagree with me on every single political topic I bring up. But what we're seeing from the DOJ regarding the special counsel David Weiss, regarding an investigation into Hunter Biden, this is madness. This is not a rule of law. And if we're no longer a rule of law society, but we're a rule of man society where a certain uh, political party can get their way Eventually, it turns on you. You might be a Democrat or a progressive, and you love what's happening right now, and Republicans are getting, are getting screwed, and they get gone after, but Democrats get the easy way out, and, and, and they, they circumvent this way, and they, they sweetheart deal that way. That's today, man. That's only the right now. You can't be that myopic. You can't be that short-sighted. You got to get yourself, your, your eyes fixed. You can't Mr. Magoo your way through life. Eventually, that's you. Eventually, you take the freaking hit. Eventually, you're in the barrel. Eventually, you're in the cell. Remember, the gulag was filled with people who every day exclaimed, do you know who I am? If Stalin knew I was here, he'd be so upset. We're friends, you know. Stalin was the reason you were in the gulag. And that's where you died. Anytime it's the rule of man and not the rule of law, anytime it's the rule of emotion and not the rule of law, anytime justice is not blind, no society can thrive. And you, who may be enjoying this now, We'll have your day where you say, oh, I didn't know this could happen. I didn't know it could be me on the other side. Well, this really does stink. That's a, I'm like, that's a pretty good John Mulvaney. I'm pretty close there with that impression. Now, Jim Jordan went on to say a, a bunch of things regarding Trump and that investigation, really painting this picture regarding Merrick Garland. Because Merrick Garland is not a guy who is a believer in justice. He's not. Now, Garland decided he would, or at least attempted to get ahead of this by saying, look, uh, we're, there's no such thing as a two-tier justice system. and And the quote is, Our job is to uphold the rule of law. That means we apply the same laws to everyone. There is not one set of laws for the powerful and another for the powerless. One for the rich, another for the poor. One for Democrats, another for Republicans. Or different rules depending upon one's race or ethnicity or religion. Our job is to pursue justice without fear or favor. Our job is not to do what is politically convenient. Our job is not to take orders from the president, from Congress, or from anyone else about who or what to criminally investigate. As the president himself has said, and I reaffirm here today, I am not the president's lawyer. I will also add that I am not Congress's prosecutor. That is a non-statement. Because it doesn't matter that you say it, it matters what happens. If David Weiss, is special counsel, but a special counsel has to come from outside of the government, then David Weiss could never be appointed special counsel. He was the U.S. attorney in Delaware, and clearly there were a series of mixed messages, which David Weiss may himself have participated in. He may himself have led to some of that mixed messages about whether or not he was able to bring charges outside of Delaware. Maybe he didn't care to bring charges outside of Delaware. After all, David Weiss had a long history with Bo Biden, the late brother of Hunter Biden, the late son of President Biden. We're all amazed that there were charges on, on the gun to which Hunter Biden has pled not guilty. But whether or not he could have brought charges was something of confusion. Oh, I'm Attorney General Merrick Garland. I never stopped him from doing that. Wait, he didn't have the authority to do it? Why didn't Merrick Garland give him the authority? So then you have Merrick Garland appoint him a special counsel, but you can't appoint someone from within the government to special counsel. But I appoint him a special counsel so he can do what he needs to do. But you just appointed the guy who was friends with this guy's late brother, who already it's questionable about what charges he brought. He wasn't going to bring tax charges until the IRS whistleblowers came forward. He wasn't going to be any part of this. Why would I trust him now? Why should anybody listen to him now? And how does any of that comport to your statement that, quote, our job is to pursue justice without fear or favor? Our job is not to do what is politically convenient. You did things with favor, and you did things that seemed to everyone politically convenient. Never, ever, ever forget that for anything you or I say about Mitch McConnell, I love cocaine! Cocaine Mitch spared America from this absolute partisan from being on the Supreme Court. And for that, I say thank you this guy on the court would have been a disaster don't get me wrong we are going to rue the day that Katanji Brown Jackson made it to the court we we are we are if it just just these last couple of cases and and the quotes that weren't quotes and the facts that aren't facts and it's it's going to get look I, I we we all regret the day that Sonia Sotomayor made it to the bench Sonia Sotomayor does not adjudicate. Justice Sotomayor votes. What do the left want? Boom, that's what I do. Elena Kagan is different. The story on Kagan, remember, she didn't have a real history. He didn't really understand about her when she was solicitor general, what was her uh, uh, judicial philosophy or or anything like that. She understands the law, but she also is a world-class contortionist of the law to try and get things to fit her desires. She's had some votes, uh, so, some decisions I absolutely agree with, some things that I certainly politically uh, disagree with. But she she doesn't come from an, from an ethos. She comes from a, well, here's what I think makes sense. Now, how do I apply? It's a very Israeli Supreme Court kind of view of the world and one that I'm I'm opposed to. Her idea of common sense is not law. That's that's where the I, I, I clearly and and joyfully kind of separate from her, but Merrick Garland on the bench would have been horrific. Horrific. Now, when Gerald Nadler, Democrat, got his chance to talk, oh, please don't buy into the sham. Don't buy into the double standard. Look what these Republicans are doing on Hunter Biden. Republicans will continue doing what they've done for years, discrediting anyone who does not serve their political goals at any cost. And the shame of it is that in this hearing room, like on the House floor, where we are barreling towards a government shutdown while my Republican colleagues call each other names, we could be working together to put people over politics and to solve any number of problems affecting the American people. More than 30,000 Americans have died from gun violence so far this year alone. Guns have become the leading cause of death for children aged 1 to 17. You see where he is. You see where his focus is. It's certainly not on Merrick Garland. Talk about government shutdown and the Republicans in disarray. No, Republicans are having a disagreement about how to move forward because some of them clearly want to end the spending and some of them think there's a different way to go about doing that. Republicans are never in lockstep the way Democrats are in lockstep. Democrats might as well all wear the same uniform. They had never heard of a Green New Deal before. Then there was a Green New Deal, and the next day they all said it's the greatest thing ever. They've always believed in it. That's what Democrats do. What in the world does a gun conversation have to do with anything regarding Merrick Garland and the failures of the DOJ to enforce the law and to engage the concepts of justice regardless of political favor. Because they engage political favor. I'm not saying that. We're saying that. The country sees it. Hunter Biden had a sweetheart deal from the DOJ. Misdemeanor on the tax charges, pretrial diversion on the gun charge. Sweetheart deal. Everybody knows it. That is two-tiered justice, kids. That's what it is. Not a debate. There's no other reason for conversation. Two-tiered justice right there. And to say otherwise is is nonsense. And for Nadler here, the Democrats, well, why would we want to actually have to address what is happening in the DOJ, what is happening with how we go about doing things Better that we don't pay any attention to that at all. Why not just scream about Republican intransigence and then talk about guns? Nothing that you would not understand from uh, the, the, the Democratic Party. As for Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, here's how he opened up.
3: Our job includes seeking justice for the survivors of child exploitation, human smuggling, and sex trafficking. And it includes protecting democratic institutions like this one by holding accountable all those criminally responsible for the January 6 attack on the Capitol. Our job is also to protect civil rights. That includes protecting our freedoms as Americans to worship and think as we please, and to peacefully express our opinions, our beliefs, and our ideas. It includes protecting the right of every eligible citizen to vote and to have that vote counted. It includes combating discrimination, defending reproductive rights under law, and deterring and prosecuting attacks such as hate crimes. And our job is to uphold the rule of law. That means we apply the same laws to everyone. There is not one set of laws for the powerful and another for the powerless, one for the rich and another for the poor, one for Democrats and another for Republicans, or different rules depending upon one's race or ethnicity or religion. Our job is to pursue justice without fear or favor. Our job is not to do what is politically convenient. Our job is not to take orders from the president from Congress or from anyone else about who or what to criminally investigate. As the President himself has said, and I reaffirm today, I am not the President's lawyer. I will add, I am not Congress's prosecutor. The Justice Department works for the American people. Our job is to follow the facts and the law, and that is what we do. All of us recognize that with this work comes public scrutiny, criticism, and legitimate oversight.
0: Good thing Merrick Garland doesn't get to decide what quote unquote legitimate oversight is, because he doesn't get to decide that at all. And and nor should he. We do with the people that we vote for. We decide what is legitimate oversight. And of course, he throws in a January sixth reference there because you cause you gotta you gotta you gotta throw in a January sixth reference. Am I right or am I right or am I right or am I right? Um, I'll have a full breakdown, and I've been talking about it today, but I'll have a full breakdown on this tomorrow and what got said and kind of how it gets taken. But always remember that the Merrick Garland's can't get there if we're doing our job. And I know a lot of people, they're like, you can't vote anymore, elections are over, they all get stolen. Well, if you believe that, you got to think of another way. I don't believe that. I, I'm not naive, I'm not a child. If you think you could take me on on these subjects, I'm ready. I make an argument, plain and simple, that absolutely mail-in voting, these things that we see, are all designed to allow the opportunity for fraud. I have no question that it happens. You convince enough people, you engage enough turnout, you can still get a result. Because we've seen it happen. And it happens here and not there because, what, the the people who cheat are selective in their cheating? No, no, no. Because it's still possible. I'm not saying that people don't try and commit frauds. I don't say there aren't people out there doing really bad stuff. I am saying that there are options afforded to us, and we should take advantage of them by being proactive and ensuring that people like Merrick Garland never see a position of power again. That's what we should do. I'm Tony Katz. If you're in Indianapolis this afternoon, uh, come join me. I will be at Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis, Indiana, a night with IMPD SWAT. Uh, The group called uh, the IMPD SWAT Advisory Board, realizing that the SWAT team in Indianapolis has to pay for their own gear pay for their own training. So they got together to create fundraisers uh, to help them. Uh, This is one of them. It's a $100 donation, hors d'oeuvres, cigars, beverages. I don't know. You have to buy, don't have to buy. I'm going to go. Maybe I will see you there. Blend Bar Cigar. Uh, Indianapolis, Indiana. A night with IMPD SWAT. You'll meet some of these guys. Be able to talk to them. Get an understanding of what it is they deal with. What it is that they are going through. That is tonight, six to ten p.m. I, I won't be there till ten. I, I have a morning show to do, but I will be there, and maybe I will see uh, you there as well. A hundred dollar donation, and then whatever else it is you want to do, you go do, and have some fun, and bring some friends, and have a good have a good time. Find everything at Tonycats. dot
2: Tonycats. Dot .com tomorrow everyone take care